0: Good morning and welcome to church today. Uh, So thankful for all all of you this morning. Um, We are continuing our series on church signs and we're going to wrap this up this morning. And uh, head into a new series next week and prepare for uh, Vision Sundays coming up. And before too long, it's gonna be Thanksgiving, and then we're gonna do big screen, and then it's gonna be candlelight, okay? And so uh, we got a, a busy several months ahead of us in terms of events and messages, and so uh, please dial, dial into that. If you have not been here over the last few weeks, we've been using some classic church sign phrases, and I've always kind of started these messages by saying that our city has a lot of church signs, and so as you drive through our city and you see um, all 924 churches, uh, 920 of them have a church sign, and so sometimes we stop and we take pictures of them, and sometimes we, we put them on social me- media, and sometimes we roll our eyes at them, and and uh, and sometimes we really take it to heart. We write down some of those things, and we we've been talking about uh, some of those church signs to address some misconceptions really about God and His church. And so, if you haven't been here, let me catch you up to speed on kind of what we've been talking about. Um, the first week we talked about a church sign that says, "Don't make me come down there, God." Okay, and so. We talked about how there's this misconception in church about how angry God is and that he's, he's seething and how He just can't wait until you and I really mess it up so He can come down here and discipline us. Okay, He can take His belt off and, 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 and really get to the, the punishment of us. The second week, um, we talked about God Answers an email. And uh, we talked about prayer and what it meant when there's unanswered prayer, just the big challenge for believers when we're really trusting and believing and hoping and doing all the things that we think we should be doing as followers of Christ, and nothing and there's nothing happening. And so we talked about that last week. Chris Hodges did such a great job talking about depression. A lot of you um, have responded to that uh, this week and just said, hey, I need to send that to a friend or a family member, and so how can I I get that? And so it's real easy. You just go to newlifechurch.tv. The third tab across on the top is a tab called Watch, and select that, and that message is right there, ready to go. So you can send that, that, that link to somebody you love who's going through depression. So today, we're going to wrap up church signs, and I want to look at just a few more popular signs before we, we get started, so you guys show us those, and we'll, we'll, we'll start transgressing to it. Life is cray-cray, Jesus is the way-way. That would have been, you know, really good about two years ago, uh, but that's it. Um, try our new pumpkin spice sermons. Okay, not really. Stop in. We don't buy it. Um, Life without Jesus is like an unsharpened pencil, no point, okay, we've seen those a few times. Does life stink? We have a pew for you, gosh, that one's been around forever, I think I did that one sometime in the early 90s, and then what else we got? God wants spiritual fruit, not religious nuts, um, and uh, thank you Rio, Assembly of God shirt, I'm making fun of that because I grew up Assembly God, um, and then today, we're, we're going to look at one that you've seen a million times around, and it's this one, Sunscreen Prevents Sin burn. Now that's really hard to, to say uh, five times really fast, but Sunscreen Prevents Sin Burn. And today, I really want to talk about a topic, again, that's really relevant to all of us, and today is really more of a reminder about how important this topic is, and we're going to hear uh, the voice of Paul as he is mentoring a very close friend of his by the name of Timothy. And so I want you to go ahead and go to Second Timothy chapter two on your app or your Bible or your iPad, or're we're, we're, we're going to show it to you here in just a minute. And while you while you're going there, uh, let me give you some background on Second Timothy, okay? Uh, Paul is the author here, and he writes this book to Timothy because he loves him. They're very close. They're in a mentor-mentoree relationship, and he really cares about him. Timothy is the up-and-coming, and Paul, this is his, th- these are in his final days. And so he is really kind of emptying himself. This is the context of this. He's kind of saying, listen, this, is, this could be my last moment with him, what do I want to say? If this is my last time to really connect with this guy, what is it that I want to get across in this final moment? And so this is a very personable letter. This is not a letter to the masses. And so he's not writing to a church specifically or church body. He is, he is writing and, and pinning his thoughts to a person. And so I want to focus on one verse today, and that's it. And I want to go to Second Timothy chapter two, verse 22. So if you're in the car later and want to know, it's all twos across the board. Second 2 Timothy 2:22. 2, and it says this. He's talking to him in a very strong tone. And you can tell that if if you read the verses ahead and behind it. And he's saying this, flee the evil desires of youth. And then he gives us this great message. Honestly, if we had one verse to chew on for the rest of our lives, this could be it. He says, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. I want to read it again. Flee the evil desires of you. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Let me define flee for just a minute. Okay. Sometimes we say this word, we talk about it, we use it in our normal language. But flee defined is to escape and to seek safety. I'm needing to... Flee from something, someone. There's something that has presented itself to me that I feel is a danger, and now I am looking for safety. I am trying to escape what is going on. It's where we get our English word fugitive. And a fugitive is someone who is on the run. And when you flee from something, you don't care where you are going. You just want to get away from it. Okay, I saw this just the other night. My daughter goes to take a shower, she sees a spider, and you would have thought our home was on fire. I mean, she's panicking, freaking out, water's everywhere across the house where she is run. She is fleeing from this thing that she thinks is dangerous, okay? Now there is a big difference visually between running and fleeing, okay? Now, I want you to imagine someone who's in shape running not not me someone who's in shape running and you see them and you're like man they look so graceful and it looks like they're hardly trying it's almost like you see someone who's in shape running and it's art i mean it's just like like really beautiful you know and you and you go man i wish i could be a a runner and you go out and you buy a pair of 200 dollar shoes and some really short shorts you shouldn't be in and, and um, among uh, other other things and you're like i'm going to be a a runner no you're not Okay, and then there's but there's this graceful view of running, and then there's fleeing. And when you see someone fleeing, it's ugly, okay, because there's no rules to fleeing, there's no body mechanics. It's just crazy, it's undignified, it's wild and uncoordinated. To give you a visual of that, have you ever seen an episode of cops? Okay, and a fugitive, when they are on the run, They will do. They will jump the neighbor's fence, step on a pet, run through the woods, go across the rooftop, jump a creek, run through a glass door if they got to, because they are fleeing. Okay, from what they feel is a threat. Now the body does what it's called what is called a fight or flight response. Science tells us that, and this is a physiological reaction to a presence. Of, of a threat, real or perceived. And so this fight or flight rep- represents genetic wisdom to keep you safe, meaning it's in you. God gave it to us as, as a gift. It is encoded into all of us from the point of, of creation, meaning that there are going to be times God knew it. Hey, you are going to want to get away from things, and I'm going to put this inside of you, Uh, to help you. It's, It's a gift to you. And so first, what happens is a threat is perceived. And this triggers an area in our brain called the hypothalamus. And the hypothalamus activates two systems, the sympathetic nervous system and the adrenal glands. And stress hormones flood your body and your pupils dilate, and the heart beats faster, and the lungs work harder, and the larger muscles, like, like, like your quads, automatically receive more oxygenated blood so you can run or kick, and, and you can do something with all of this energy that suddenly comes to you. And your mind makes an instinctive choice within a matter of seconds. It's really an, an, an amazing experience. And so if you're hiking in the woods, and you see a grizzly bear, and you say, there's a grizzly bear, and then it stands up on its hind legs, and it roars, you can do one of two things, fight the bear, or run for your life, okay? I think the, uh, the latter is smarter, and but your instincts will make that choice for you, meaning this, you don't have time to calculate the outcome. You're not standing there trying to say, if if I do this or if I do that, what's the option, A, B, or C? No, it's seconds. You flee from it, right? So the Apostle Paul, I'm just trying to give you some context, who's a legend of the faith, writes a letter to this young leader, and he tells him this. Flee the evil desires of your youth. Run from it. Get away from it flee from those things, run away, run for your life. And there are plenty of times, we all know this, in Scripture where Paul tells us to stand firm, or he tells us to endure, or he tells us to resist the enemy, or he tells us to put on the armor of God, or he tells us that we are more than, than, than conquerors, but not here. Here he says, I want you to run for your life. When you sense those things are around you, when you feel they're getting the best of you, when you feel your mind starting to justify certain things, run from it. Flee. This is not the time to, to stand there and calculate and, 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 and fight it. This is, is a time to run, he says. So you got to jump the fence and step on the pet and run through the woods and jump the creek and run through a glass door if you have to. To flee from evil desires. Write this down if you're taking notes this morning. Flee from desires that you can't fight. And there are obvious things in our lives. Again, Paul is a great teacher on this. There are things that all of us experience where we need to man up and grow through them and and stretch our faith and believe God to change it and and all of those things. But Paul is saying, Timothy, I want you to be very, very careful about this area. And I want you to recognize when there are things in your life that, that is a slippery slope, and what I prefer you to do is to run from it. I mean, get away from that, 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 that stuff. This is, is a warning from a very seasoned pastor to a young, a young man. We all need the same instinct in our lives as Christ followers. We need to know when it's time to run. We need to know that God has a plan for our lives, and we talk about that often here at our our church, the plans and purposes and dreams of God and how they can unfold in your life and in mine. But do you know that that the enemy also has an idea for, for your life? The Bible tells us he seeks whom he can devour. If you go on and you start digging around in that, in that word, it means to just destroy like nothing left. Ashes to just sift you, to sap you of every bit of strength that, that, that you have. This is the enemy's idea for you, to destroy homes, ultimately destroying churches and communities. That's his idea for us. So today my burden for some of you is that you'll get this instinct to flee because you're right in the middle of a circumstance that is teetering and tottering back in in your mind and you are trying to justify and then leaning back to safety and trying to justify and this is is a moment for you to get out and for the rest of, of us this is a preventative message. It is a cautionary tone. So I want to give you three spiritual flight responses in in what is Paul really talking about here. The first one is this, and it's very obvious. Again, this is a review spiritually for a lot of us. The first one is when people are tempting you. When people are tempting you. God put it in us, it's instinctive, for us to be attracted to each other. We even pick out our good friends based a, a, upon this, upon their, their, their traits. We are around people who make us laugh. We are around people who we feel we can be real and genuine with. We are uh, around people that we can cry with and who applaud us and affirm us. And we start selecting people. out of of this big circle of life that we're involved in, and we start to develop a smaller circle based upon the attractions we have with people. And God designed us this way, to love each other, to live life with each other. But what happens is the enemy takes that desire and that attraction and he skews it. And so people can, can tempt us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, the NIV says it this way. Bad company corrupts good character. We all heard our parents tell us this when we were growing up. That who you hang around with is who you become. And so parents, if you need a scripture to back it up, here it is. Who we are around, the bad company can corrupt you. Proverbs thirteen twenty in the NIV. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Okay, basically, what he's saying there is this hang out with smart people, you get smart. Hang out with stupid people, and you get stupid. Okay, this is what he's saying. Some people will tempt you to become someone that you never intended to be. It's like you're hanging out with this group of people and you're enjoying them and you're living life together and you're having fun together and you realize I'm no longer the person that I was aiming for. They're they're, they're no longer sharpening you. They're no longer affirming you. You're no longer growing by being around them. And suddenly you realize that your life's trajectory has taken a negative turn because you're hanging out with, with this group. Andy Stanley, when he challenges leaders, he, he always says this. He says, every great leader wants to be the smartest person in the, the room. And he says, if you're at a place where you realize that you are that person, that you're the smartest person there, change rooms. Get into a, a room where you can grow again. Get into a room where you can be stretched again. It's very important who we're hanging out with. Let me give you some examples. Some of you have friends that are really, really, really judgmental. And everything about them is judging this and judging that and judging church and judging what God is or isn't doing and judging that couple over there and judging this couple over here and judging this friend and judging that single parent and judging this, this person who just went through a terrible divorce. And all, all you do is hear it all the time, hear it, hear it, hear it. Some of you have people in your life that aren't ethical. They don't treat people well. They use people to get whatever they want. They, they lie. They take advantage of others. And according to Scripture, hear me, you can be influenced by that, right? Teenagers, college students who are here, you probably have some friends that try to get you to do some things that are not wise. And maybe there is a man at work or a lady at work, and there is temptation to be flirt- flirtatious. Sin starts with a spark, and it ends with a blaze. It starts very small. And I'm, I'm going to read something powerful here from Proverbs chapter, chapter 5. And he is talking about a woman here, but you, you can make this whatever gender it needs to be. He says this, For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey. Her mouth is smoother than, than, than oil. But in the end, she is as bitter as poison. Dangerous is a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. For she cares nothing about the path to life. She staggers a crooked trail, doesn't even realize it. So now, my sons, listen to me. Never stray from what I'm about to say to you. Stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. If you do, you will lose your honor, and you will lose to merciless people all you have achieved. That's strong. He's saying, listen, if, if you do this, if you are swayed by her, if you are swayed by him, the successes of your life are going to crumble. Your honor is going to crumble. Very strong. Now let me clarify. I'm not saying that we, we can surround ourselves with perfect people. They, they do not exist. I'm also not saying that you can't be friends with people who are making major mistakes. We've all made them. I'm around people a lot that don't believe in God. But if those people start influencing me, if those people start influencing you, we have to do what 2 Timothy says and walk away. Get away from it. Flee from it. Okay, So people can tempt you. The second thing is when places entice you. When places entice you. There are some places that we should avoid. I remember growing up. This is funny, and you you, you guys know this, but I grew up in a very strict Pentecostal home. And um, my 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 parents one time there in in Little Rock. I've talked about this people at restaurants a lot. There there, there was a uh, on on Asher in University. There was a big theater, big Cinema One Eighty. Anybody remember that big round dome theater? Yeah. Okay, I'm telling my age there, only 20 of you raised your hand. And so now it's, it's, it's dozed over. But it but used to be the, like the biggest theater in Arkansas. It was like this big, round, and you, you know, just one, one mo- mo- movie could be shown there at, at a time. And so my parents get us all together, and, and we go into this theater, and we sit down. Okay, so there's four Pentecostal people sitting at a movie. That's funny right there. And, and, and so, you know, we're, we're passing popcorn, and you know, or drinking Cokes. And I don't realize what movie it is, but it was Grease, okay? We get about three songs in, and my dad's like, everybody up, we're leaving, let's get out, go. And then, you know, that that was like 20 bucks for all of us, you know, I was like, oh man, this is just so good, can we wait till Olivia Newton-John puts on the real tight pants, can we wait? Just a second, Dad, can we wait? And then, so my dad, about a year later, he's like, okay, listen, we're going to try this AA again, and... So we all pile in there, four Pentecostals, sitting on the, you know, sharing popcorn. And he takes us to this, <laughs> he takes this movie called Tootsie. Anybody remember Tootsie? <laughs> uh, if this is on podcast, we're going to edit this whole part. I'm just warning production. So we're sitting there, and the very first time he dresses up like a, a woman, my dad's like, let's go, everybody up, we're gone. We never went back. That was like the last family movie we ever went went, went to. It's funny. <laughs> There are all kinds of places, and I'm not against cinema, please, please hear me there. There are all kinds of places where sin can occur, and sometimes we even find ourselves at the wrong place at the wrong time, okay, like Walmart during Black Friday, nobody ever needs to be there. The first time I ever saw somebody get a forearm in the name of Jesus was, was here, and it was it was over that Tickle Me Elmo thing, anybody remember that? For, I mean, people were fist fighting, I just need a Tickle Me Elmo, you was know, like, man, can't everybody just calm down, okay, I'm sure there's plenty of these things around, no, there's not, there's only so many Tickle Me Elmos. Channels on TV, when we got direct, we, we, we've had direct and dish and all of them. And the first thing I have to do, I have to go, I have to block channels. And, and I have to set it up for our home because I know I don't want to let that stuff in. Even with, with my daughter right now, when we rent a, a movie at, at home, I have to tell her, turn your head because I'm going to scroll through these movies and see if we can find something. And even the imagery right now, I don't want you to see. Because you can't unsee that stuff. You can't undo it. And when you look at at computers and phones, these devices, though amazing, they give us a lot of privacy. And they give us a lot of mobility. And I love you enough to say this, be careful. That's all. Just be careful. I'm not anti-technology. I love it. But be careful with the mobility and the privacy that it allows you. Here's why. There's a story in the Bible about a man named Joseph. We all love Joseph. It's the biggest comeback story in the history of Scripture. And the Bible says this, that he was well-built and handsome. Okay, Men, if you're here and you are well-built and handsome, let me hear you. Okay, (laughs) three of you. All right, next week's message, self-confidence, okay, that's what we're going to be talking about here. And Joseph is in charge of Potiphar's house, and Potiphar is one of Pharaoh's officials in Egypt, and while Joseph is working, Potiphar's wife comes on to him, okay, cougar alert. Okay, so she she comes on to him, and the Bible says that she even one, one version tells us she grabs his coat and tries to hold on to him, and he literally spins out of it and leaves it there. That's how that's how his fight or flight response kicked in. He's like, I got to get out of here. Okay, he leaves his coat there with her. We find that in Genesis thirty-nine, chapter eleven. It says. One day he went into the house to attend his duties. None of the household servants were inside. She caught him by the cloak and said, come to bed with me. And he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Because he loved God, he had the instinct to flee. There was something already inside him. Okay? Now listen, this is where I'm going to talk to you like I, I love you a whole lot. And I do. You've already got to have this squared away in, in, in your heart. If you wait till the moment of temptation, it's going to be too long, too, too late. you got to have this in your heart and in your mind that you love God and you love your family and you love your kids and you love honor and you love the successes which you have built and you want to be very careful with that. And you want to guard it and you want to protect it so that when that stuff comes against you, you are able to say with a lot of confidence, the answer is no. Okay. Now listen, you can't tell me that that Potiphar's wife was not beautiful. This was not an attraction problem. This was a heart issue. And I think if you delved into this story and we were able to interview Joseph, Joseph would say, man, yeah, she's beautiful. But I love God more than I think she's beautiful. He had already resolved it in his heart and mind. This is not going to unfold this way because I love God. And if we don't have that already intact, there are places when sin occurs. And just by being there, it puts you in an awkward circumstance. Don't go there. Because three things are going to happen very clearly if you go there. You will want to stay there. You will end up being okay there. And you'll want to return there. Right? Let me say those again to you if, if, if you're taking notes. You're going to want to stay there. You're going to be okay with being there, meaning it's justified. And then you're going to want to return there. Why? Because the flesh wants it. The flesh loves temptation. The flesh loves sin. This is very clear in Scripture. This is how we're wired. The third thing is when pleasures seduce you. Pleasures. Galatians chapter five, verse sixteen. The NIV says this. This big challenge here. He's talking about being full of of the Spirit. New Testament churches are exploding, and he says this. So I say. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Remember, Paul is the one who's saying, listen, there are things that I do, and I wish I didn't do them. But I end up doing them. Why do I end up doing that? He, he's, in, he's in this very, this tension. And we're always going to have that same tension in our lives. Between flesh and spirit. Spirit. And so this challenge in Galatians is this. We have to learn to walk by the Spirit. And if we do that, we won't fulfill the lust of of the flesh. One thing we know about sin, not only from personal experience, but we know it from Scripture, sin is fun. Sin is fun. It's gratifying. It's pleasurable. It's enticing. It feels good. But the Bible gives us this great cautionary statement. It says, sin is fun for a season. And we know this about life. Seasons change. People change. Life happens. People grow up. People move on. Seasons change. Money, if we're not careful, can be a very sinful pleasure. And if you're here today and you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, this is a very big temptation for you because these are great earning years for you. So money is very strong. You are trying to get ahead. You are trying to plan. You're trying to save. You're trying to look at 20 years or 30 years away from now. And am I going to have enough? Am I investing enough? Am Am I taking those investments and being wise enough? Money is on your radar And if you're not careful, it can become an idol to you. Alcohol can be a sinful pleasure. Success can be a sinful pleasure. Immorality can be a sinful pleasure. But it happens in seasons. The seasons change. 1 Corinthians 10, we get a warning with the church at Corinth. He says, my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. And most of you are thinking, I guess I'm good. I don't have a room at home with a Buddha statue in it. But an idol is not necessarily a statue. Listen to me. It's anything we put before God. Anything. Anything that we place before the worship of God is an idol. Anything that we lift up and exalt above Him. Anything that we prioritize above our relationship with God, we are idolizing. If it's money, if it's success, if it's fame, if it's futuristic thinking, anything, anything that happens in our lives that we lift up and exalt and prioritize above God can become idols. And he's saying to this church at Corinth, you got to tear that stuff down. And so this is an opportunity for us to hear this and reprioritize our lives to get an honest assessment of where we are and say, I got some things that I need to I need to put back in the right place. Let me close with these thoughts. I've already said this. Flee from desires that you can't fight. And James tells us, James is the brother of Jesus. He writes in chapter 4, verse 7, Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. When I am completely and wholly submitted to God, there is something spiritual that takes place. We can't really describe it in words. It's very difficult to, 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 to do that. But I'm submitting myself to God in such a deep and real way that when the enemy comes in, there is a resistance. And it is such a turnoff to him that he will flee from you. Doesn't even want to be around. Gone. So James is challenging us to get in that place where every bit of your thinking is submitted to God. Where all of your priorities are submitted to God. Where your marriage is submitted to God. Where your desires are submitted to God. Get in that place where you are saturated with honoring God. Because the only way that you can run from death and toward life is in the personhood of Jesus Christ. That's it. Outside of Christ, and I've spent years of my life, it was a season where I had years of my life trying to do this by myself, on my own strength, on my own will, trying to chum up my own motivation. But it was when you turn and you aim all of that toward the Father that you feel Feel the strength of the Holy Spirit behind you I promise we can't live it on our own there's too much temptation your flesh wants too much of it the only saving grace is in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ so this power lies in a very critical moment where we flee from evil and run toward the goodness of God okay Hear me, some of you this morning, you may be in a very dangerous place. You may be in a place where you've entertained, where you've contemplated, where you've thought, where you've crossed a, a, a line, where you see your habits changing, you see your thoughts evolving, and they're evolving away from submission to God. My challenge to you would be to come on back. Reel yourself back in. Allow the Holy Spirit this morning to echo this word and to bring you back. To make some hard decisions. To say no again to some things that you've been saying yes to. To say no to some thoughts that only you and God know about. To say no to those things again. I'm not going to sit around and meditate on things that I shouldn't even be wanting. And today I say no to those things. Not on my own power, but by the strength of the Holy Spirit. Okay. I want you to bow your heads with me real quick this morning. I just want to pray over us.